He's kind of like the Joe Rogan of the hospitality industry right now. I still believe the future of short-term rentals is 10 million small operators and not like 10,000 massive operators. It's just the nature of short-term rentals and like the, how you get to clean them and all this local little bit of the approach and just the, the, it's just different than hotels, right? It, nobody's proven they can scale a good vacation rental property management business. And, you know, I think, you know, Hostmaker went bust recently. There's been some layoffs other places. I think you'll see that to continue across the industries because short-term rentals are best managed locally. Welcome to Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast where we discuss all things hospitality, hotels, and business. You can find us online at slicktalkthepodcast.com and on every podcast listening platform. What's up, all my Slick Talkers? You are about to listen to the Vacation Rental Mastermind series. I have sat down with some of the biggest experts in the vacation rental space all over the globe, and we created a 10-episode series where we dive in from how to be a host, how to maximize your property, how to manage a property from big management companies as well as technology and fraud protection for your guests and for yourself as a host and an owner slash investor. So tune in every week for the next 10 weeks to enjoy the Vacation Rental Mastermind series on Slick Talk and check out every single guest that's going to be on the show on all social media platforms. For many short-term rental operators around the world, these last few weeks have been a nightmare with record low bookings and sweeping cancellations. In times of uncertainty, data becomes less of a luxury and more of a fundamental need. As a world's leading provider in short-term rental data and analytics, AirDNA tracks a daily performance of over 10 million listings on Airbnb and Verbo in 80,000 global markets. Plus, they're working hard to provide real-time insights and tools for those who have seen revenues drop. If you're wondering how to manage your listing or what the competition is doing in this time of crisis, AirDNA's MarketMinder tool is the safest way to go about it. Subscribe to any city or neighborhood and get access to interactive charts, a dynamic pricing tool showing high and low demand days, a thorough rundown on the competition, and much, much more. If you don't yet manage a property, then you can type in any address in the world and see how much it could make you as a short-term rental. Visit their website at airdna.co for more information. Again, that's airdna.co for more information. He's kind of like the Joe Rogan of the hospitality industry right now. Um, I want to know a little bit more about you, your background, how, uh, you know, Scott got to where he is today. Yeah. I mean, the story, I mean, it really started, I mean, I had really one job before I started AirDNA and I spent about 10 years uh, really running a data and analytics team at a, at a consulting company. And that gave me sort of all of these raw tools and ways to think about how to analyze data to create AirDNA. Um, but yeah, I mean, so, so I was, you know, running a, you know, pretty large team, about 60 people of researchers, knowledge managers in a company called Port Ferry up until 2012. And they uh, had some new CFO came in, didn't really like me and, and laid me off. And I was there for 10 years. And so uh, I got a really nice severance package, decided to go take that opportunity to go travel the world. And, you know, my neighbor at the time told me about Airbnb and, you know, while I was traveling, you know, while I just throw it up there. So... I didn't have to like put my stuff in a storage or you know take the hit of my you know three thousand dollar a month rent. 
Yeah. So I did it, you know, and two weeks later I was off to Bangkok on a one-way ticket and, you know, I was getting bookings every day on my cell phone and I had a friend who I let use my car for the six months I was gone, like help me with check-ins and check-outs and getting my cleaner over there. And, you know, the light bulb sort of just went off when I was, you know, in Bali and paying for my journeys with like income generated from my one bedroom apartment. Yeah man, this is too easy. And how am I making, you know, $7,500 a month in my $3,000 apartment without thinking about it too hard, right? With like crappy cell phone pictures, no really idea how to price my property. And so when I got back from that journey, um, you know, I was looking for another job, didn't find anything I was really excited about. And so I just started doing a rental arbitrage game, basically leasing apartments around Santa Monica. And then, you know, furnishing them and throwing them up on Airbnb until I had about eight of them over the course of about two years. So this was like 2013, 14, I was sort of scaling my own little Airbnb business and it was doing great, right? The more I thought about it, the more I tested things, the more data I was giving, I was just able to sort of continue just drive more revenue from that property. And so they were all doing, you know, $7,000 a month pretty consistently on eight properties. And I was like, this is, this is the dream. This yeah. is good. Uh, I think a lot of people have a similar story, sort of like fell into it. Very much. Uh, I think I just had some of that thirst for the data and like really what I could do from analyzing the competition to revenue management to thinking about new properties to acquire. Um, I just sort of just went narrow and deep. And that was sort of what, what spurred uh, or what created our DNA at the end of the day. That's amazing. Yeah, it sounds like um, the current AirDNA entrepreneur or not AirDNA, Airbnb entrepreneur uh, where, you know, they started just as a, hey, might as well give it a shot. And then, boom, ends up being being pretty lucrative. So it's pretty sweet. Yeah, uh, so, you know, and, and regulation today was was difficult for me. You know, Santa Monica was one of the first to make Airbnb illegal in the city. And so that definitely kind of gave me this idea, like, oh, like it's been too good. This might be coming to an end at some point. And so I need to figure out what is, what can I pivot to? Yeah. The natural pivot was I'm using all this data to kind of create these best in class properties in Santa Monica. And I had like three of the top 10 performing properties in all of Los Angeles at the one bedroom level. Um, and so all my friends were calling me the Airbnb doctor because they were <laughs> like, dude, look at my listing. What am I doing wrong? Uh, and so that was you know, really the idea. It was like, all right, cool. Let's pivot. Let's go to something where you're giving people all the tools that they need to scale a short term rental business. Um, and, you know, not really go down this sort of path that everybody else went down, which was, you know, I was friends with the guys at Saunders early on and Lyric early on. And so, you know, I didn't have a real estate background, I had a data background, so that just made sense for me at the time. I was going to say, so that's an interesting way to, to pivot because you saw there was going to be, you know, a future, um, I guess, roadblock in a lot of ways, you know, with the regulations, that, especially with now, you know, in, in the industry, um, regulations coming down a little bit harder in um, certain areas. Um, but what I like about that is because, like you said, we are, I'm a numbers guy. I'm a geek when it comes to that. And so with that, what did you, that I know that sparked the idea for AirDNA, but what, um, what really got you the information to create this platform that you have now? Yeah, I mean, it was sort of in passing, I was having a conversation with, a friend, fellow entrepreneur, and he mentioned something about scraping a separate site. And I was like, what's scraping? And he was like, oh, you know, you can sort of just screen scrape and grab all the data from the properties. And I was like, that was the moment I was like, wait, what? I can get this data and I can download it and I can play with it, like just in an Excel format, and just sort of see yeah. what I can pull from it. 
And so, like, you know, it's a pretty funny story. My dad's been an engineer, data, you know, data engineer for a long time. And so at the dinner table conversation, I'm like, hey, hey, dad, do you know how to scrape? Can you build a scraper? And so it was, I mean, it was, I mean, it was really family business early on, 2014. You know, he outsourced, a, you know, initial scraper to some guy in India for a hundred bucks. And we just started getting some data on the California market at first. And that was the idea, man. And once I had all that data at my fingertips, you know, I was just geeking out on Tableau and just creating charts and just trying to think about how to think about this data set in comparison to the hotel data set in terms of like what I could get from Zillow and just trying to see like where these like perfect pockets were. Like hotels were really expensive. Real estate was relatively cheap or rents were really cheap. And there was this, this amazing like differential between like, what a hotel was charging and what a one bedroom multifamily place that was twice the size of the balcony in the kitchen you could get for us for rent. And so that was the initial data analysis. It's just like I knew that there was this massive arbitrage opportunity in the market. And uh, and I was kind of one of the first people I think to really analyze that in depth. Well I was gonna say I think um, when it comes to the guest you know perspective and experience, right? You have a hotel room that's going, let's say in California for four hundred a night, when you can get the same property or not the same property, the same price for the bigger property, that's more perceived value. They're going to be able to bring their friends, not have to worry about the kids being crammed, doing all this other you know type of stuff. So the perceived value is going to be a lot more to the guests as well as your operational costs. You have one unit that you have to clean. Yes. The hotel who's got 70 units or 80 or 100 or you know all the other stuff that goes into it. So And you only have to clean once per stay, not once, once per day, which yes. is a huge advantage as well. Yes, exactly. So... I think that uh, when people are, are talking about data and numbers, they're always talking about, you know, how can we drive RevPAR? How can we get, you know, occupancy up and all this other stuff, which is, those are important factors, but you have to also consider your operational costs and your operational um, structure, because at the end of the day, you can have the best RevPAR in the city, but if you're spending more money to clean or flip a property than you are making, you're game over. Yep. And I was super hands-on, right? Because that's the nature of this business. It was so new. I want to know everything I could do and every corner I could cut, right? I mean, I was cleaning my own properties. I was doing everything myself. I was scrubbing my own toilets. And just because I was trying to, one, just eke out every single penny out of that property I could, just like yeah. see how good it could get. And then you start to outsource the things that, you know, you know, you don't want to roll up your sleeves and clean toilets for the rest of your life, right? And yeah. so you think about what you can outsource to the cheapest price. Um, and that was all part of the experience, right? And that was all part of the learning is about how do you maintain like, just a super tight, you know, operating sort of budget and expense. No, I totally agree. Um, so with the um, start of, you know, it's a family business, like you were saying, you know, you and your dad uh, were, you know, scraping all this data, getting this all into an Excel format. Um, so help myself and the audience understand what it really goes into from that phase into the algorithms and the platform that AirDNA really is today as a, you know, as a whole order to help um, hosts and hospitality providers or property managers to get the most accurate data to help them make the most, uh, you know, effective um, revenue strategy for their listing. Because uh, this is a question that I think we see quite often i'm in a lot of you know like airbnb groups or vrbo groups or whatever and all this uh, you know networking events and a lot of people that listen to the show and have listened to the series have been you know sparking questions like how do we know this is accurate how do we know that the algorithms 
blah, 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 and all these other questions that go into it. Where does this data come from? Um, these are all the stuff that I think for the new host or for the people that were in your shoes when you first started, you know, trying to maximize every single thing by, you know, scrubbing their own toilets and doing everything else from the very mm -hmm. beginning and being very hands-on to the part where they're now probably maybe phasing into the background a little bit to then, you know, optimize the revenue and, and grow the business in other areas. Sure. Uh, yeah, a lot to unpack there. We'll start with the, with the data component, right? And, um, you know, we, we were fortunate. You know, I launched AirDNA officially in April 2015. You know, we were scraping Airbnb for the year prior to that. But in that year prior, you know, we couldn't see what was a booking on Airbnb, right? And if you look at a competitor's calendar, your own calendar, you can see what's available, what's unavailable. And you can make some good assumptions about like, is that a booking or not, right? If it's blocked for the whole month or it's just like, there's weekend bookings that are sort of sporadic, then it's pretty obvious to the, to the, to the eye, right? To, you yeah. know, somebody just the amateur looking at a calendar. You know, the reason we launched Airbnb in 2015 is that Airbnb had sort of a, a glitch and an oversight in how they were displaying calendars in the source code. And, you know, and so, you know, it was definitely an oversight. They started actually reviewing reservation IDs for the length of the stay that it was actually a booking on Airbnb. Wow. And that's when it was like, okay, this is now a business. I have 100% accuracy of what is a booking, what's a block date um, on, on the platform. And so we were able to capture about 20 million reservations on the platform between April 2015 and September 2015 when they finally sort of shut that down and went back to not displaying that data. And so that was sort of our first test. Okay, now we don't have total transparency into it. Now, how do we build a model that really recreates exactly what that looked like? And, you know, that's when we worked with the team at MIT, a bunch of uh, about three PhD students at the time. And we said, you know, hey, you know, what can you do with this information? We've got 20 million reservations. we got all these property details. So we know all these details, like what's the average length of stay? What's the average booking lead time? Like, how does like net review changes over the month really correlate to whether it's a booking or a blocked day? Mm -hmm. You know, about 12 different sort of attributes went into that model. And we we're able to get to about 92% accuracy and deciphering what is a blocked day versus an actual reservation on the platform. And so that was like amazing. That's good in data science. Yeah. Well, 90% accuracy is amazing, but obviously, you know, the world changes over time, right? This isn't 2015 anymore, we're in 2020. And so over the last five years, what we've been doing is amassing data from data partners, right? So we partner with channel managers and PMS systems and large vacation rental managers. And we say, hey, you know, we'll give you a bunch of market insights. We'll give you a bunch of pricing details, you know, if you open up your bulk of information and share that with us. Okay. So we've got about 450,000 properties that send us their daily reservation data uh, currently which is, you know, it's a good number. It's only about 5% of the, the profits that we track on a monthly basis, but it's enough to sort of update and train our model to get to that, that accuracy over, over time. So that's the, that's the quick and dirty. I mean, it's definitely gets harder every day. Like yeah. it reveals less information that like you can't look historical at all anymore. So, you know, we've got 20 engineers that try to figure out how to squeeze as much accuracy out of this thing every single day. Definitely. Well, with, with that goes into, cause when I'm using, so I'm using market minder, right? I use it for our properties to figure out comps and our properties are a little bit different for our area because they're, you know, the grander scale, you know, sleep 25 people, they're over 10,000 square foot, all this type of stuff. Right. Um, 
so with the data that you've compiled and you have about, like you said, 450,000 properties that, or, you know, channel managers that share this information, how is it able to then, so I guess maybe the geeky side or the engineering side um, where they take the information that you currently have and are able to, to kind of look at comps, right? You're able to see properties maybe that are not in that 450,000, if that makes sense. Yeah, sure. I mean, so that 450,000 who's, who's our partners, right? We're still scraping probably 10 million a day, something like that. Um, and so that's the, pretty much the full universe across VRBO and Airbnb. Yeah. Um, and so when you're, so how are they using the data? I mean, that is, that's the fun part of the last five years, right? So we've got this amazing data. How do we make it actionable for people? Because there's this sort of interesting side of the business, right? Like, somebody who's thinking about buying a second home and like, all right, I'm not going to be there for eight months out of the year. Like how much of my, my mortgage can I, can I recoup while I'm not there? Uh, and there's sort of just like this general market intelligence data, right? Like what is ADR? What is expected occupancy rate for a four bedroom home in the zip code, right? And that's all sort of like nice to know when making an investment decision or trying to sort of benchmark your performance versus the broad market. I, mean, I think what you're talking about is, you know, unique properties that don't have a ton of comps or, or like really solid comps. And yeah. I mean, we're the, one of the only, if not the only company that has enough trust in our data to actually show property level performance because I mean, it, it, it's hard, you know, and like you're not going to get it right 100% of the time, but, you know, we feel pretty confident that, confident enough that we're going to show you what we think every property earns, right? And every, every Airbnb host and property manager can go in there and sort of confirm you know, how, how close we are generally within like a 10% margin of error on those numbers. So I mean, that's, that's, why you're, that's why market miners is really helpful because you can go in, zoom in on the map, sort of filter for five bedroom plus properties and sort of say, okay, nothing's just like mine, but here's a, a six bedroom here, a seven bedroom there, and sort of just, you know, look at those properties, see how they're doing, seeing how they're pricing uh, in the future. I agree. Uh, the the demographic, and I think what you guys have opened up with AirDNA is huge because a lot of this tools and data and analytics is not normally open. Like from my, my world previously, the hotel world, this is something that, you know, all the properties have access to via hotels, but we don't have access to any of this information um, regarding vacation rentals, as well as, you know, we don't know exactly our competitive, um, you know, bookings and if they're actually a real competitor? Are they blocking? Are they holding rooms? Are they not holding rooms? You know, all the stuff that goes into it. Mm-hmm. But um, so what you've done is you've opened it up to the broader market. So anybody, like you said, who's just either starting out, got a two bedroom, three bedroom, one bedroom, and they're just like, yeah, I want to put it on. And that's the thing I always tell a lot of my clients or a lot of people that ask us these questions, right? How do you know Air DNA or blah, blah, blah is accurate when it comes to the, the pricing and the predictive, you know, pricing and comps and all that other stuff. Well, mm-hmm. it's, like you said, it's within a margin, right? You have this information from the last five years that you guys have collected, plus all the other information that you guys, you guys are going through every day. Now it's your job as either the host, the manager, or the revenue manager, or whoever, to you take that. It's a, that's where the human instinct is kind of, this is where it gets fun, because now we get to play with it. You get to experiment, you get to test, you get to, you know, raise rates you get to drop rates you get to do all this fun stuff and that is where it becomes your data not everybody else's data because this is your property it's a little bit unique and a different aspect and i always tell people that it's not it's not like it's you know written in scripture on stone or whatever and this is the way it is like 
oh, Air DNA says it's, you know, 159 a night. That's it. Can't go any above, can't go any lower. You know, like it's not set in stone. So that's the fun part where you get to play with it and really experience the growth of your, your property. So, so yeah, I mean, you mean you're, first off, yeah, I mean, we created this tool to really democratize data in the short-term rental space, yeah. right? As the sharing economy, you know, we didn't want to create a data set that was just going to like let hotels squash short-term rentals or just support the Saunders and Larry Slowell and forget about the small guy. Like I built the tool to help me, which is the guy with eight properties in Santa Monica. And I wanted to create a price point for the product that made sense for somebody that was operating in that sort of revenue realm, right? Yes. And so the average subscriber is 50 bucks a month, right? And some people think that's crazy expensive and other people think I'm giving it away for free, right? But yeah. it all depends if you have 5,000 properties or, or one private room and kind of what that price point is for you. But we try to make it accessible uh, not just from a price point, but from like a simplicity and from like just the way we, we reveal the information to try to make it that you don't have to have a PhD in data science to try to figure out what's going on in your marketplace. But now thinking about the actual data, I mean, you're right. Every vacation of a property is very unique. They're all a snowflake, as we say, yeah. right? And it's just not a cookie cutter hotel room. So revenue management is way different for a vacation rental than it's for a hotel. Um, I won't get into all the details, but yeah, I mean, your furnishing, your reviews, your track record, your photos, like all that stuff plays into how you price, what your comps look like, and everything you should be doing about that property from a revenue management perspective. And that's hard, right? I mean, that's hard to bake into any sort of pricing system. Mm-hmm. We've tried, we've tried to do it, and it's, it, it is hard. I mean, we think we have one of the best tools in the system that actually do recommended rates for properties. We can price, Seven million properties around the world, yeah. um, but you know this this nature of hyper the location, right? If you got the beach view versus the street view, that's a way different property how you price it, right? And those are sort of the basic complications of of any sort of pricing tool uh, for 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 vacation rental properties. Well, I was going to say it's very like yeah, I'm a certified hotel revenue manager, but at the end of the day, when you when you're hundred percent right. Like the revenue management for vacation rentals and hotels, very night and day difference when it comes to it, but there are commonalities. And I think if we take the commonalities, you know, seasonality is a huge one. Um, you know, you got your peak seasons, like anybody or any city or any neighborhood or whatever you have, you know, your holidays, all the other stuff that increase travel that increase. And I think with the huge, like you said, the hotels do the same thing. You don't have good photos, you don't have good reviews, you don't have, you know, whatever else, all the other, you know, things that we talk about as, you know, having a successful listing. Um, your booking and usually ADR and average occupancy is not going to be as high as the person that does. So if you take the commonalities and you apply that, and then with AirDNA, what I've liked is that if you go to some markets, you literally, it's not going to be 60 bucks a month. Some of them are 19 a month when depending on the market area. So it's actually a different price point going into your, your demographic and your area. So really at the end of the day, spending 19 to $60 a month for an extra uh, $1,500, $2,000 worth of bookings by using these tools and getting these factors in, into uh, a certain order, right? Is, yeah. uh, I don't know. We think it's a deal. We, we think it's a deal. And, you know, we have, we have 10,000 subscribers right now. So, you know, we're, we're pretty happy with that. I mean, we, we definitely, you know, 
dominant market leader in this space, you know, and, and we think that's because we really try to cater towards the small guy. I do, I still believe the future of short-term rentals is 10 million small operators and not like 10,000 massive operators. It's just the nature of short-term rentals and like the, how you have to clean them and all this local the, the approach and just the, the, it's just different than hotels, right? It, nobody's proven they can scale a good vacation rental property management business. And, you know, I think, you know, Hostmaker went bust recently. There's been some layoffs other places. I think you'll see that to continue across industries because short-term rentals are best managed locally, right? The local knowledge, the local team, and the local knowledge for revenue management even, it really takes somebody that, that has that local expertise. So, but yeah, I mean, the, the biggest problem obviously you're solving as a short-term rental operator is like, dude, what is the demand for my Saturday versus the Wednesday in April, right? Do I need to be decreasing by 10% or like 70% to get that thing booked? I don't know. What are those like little random events coming to my city or conferences or like frisbee tournaments? I just don't know about. And like, is that actually generating demand or not? I don't know. When are people traveling for spring break to my market? I don't know. Yeah. Do I need to look up all the school districts? I don't know where they're flying in from. And so like, you can see that pop really early on, right? And so we try to show like when those little spikes are, what the competition's doing about that spike. And then you got to figure out like, okay, cool. Do I want to get booked six months out in advance? Do I want to hold high on my price and sort of wait for that really, really sweet last minute booking? And so we can't give you all the answers. You definitely got to sit on top of that data, know your property, know your market, and sort of know how to read the data and start, start to make some good decisions about how to, how to compete. Yes, I agree. And I like the, uh, the phrase I've heard earlier on uh, from back like two years ago, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink it. Right. So here's all the data. Here's all the tools that you need. Now you have to choose how you use it. Right. So I think that's a, a key indicator on when it comes to, I think the growth of the entrepreneurial, um, Airbnb host, right? This is a, this is now you shifting away from, um, you know, working for somebody else and now you are doing something for you. You're using your asset that you've put time and effort into to then now increase your lifestyle in some way, whether it's, you know, financially or whatever else. So that's yeah. the, the, the beauty. Yeah, it's hard. I, mean, I wish I could uh, create a tool that could answer everybody's questions. I think what I realized early on is that there's so many questions I can never answer them all like you know if I spend five thousand dollars on a jacuzzi how long will it take me to recoup that cost like I can't answer that but you can look at properties that have jacuzzis you can sort of see how much they're earning more in the winter than they are you know in, in the summer or how much more they're earning you can start to dive into the sort of answer that question um, but yeah you know unfortunately uh, there's no Alexa feature now where you can just ask it and it'll give you the response but I'm working towards it yeah well, I guarantee AirDNA will probably be the first one to have it. So um, my so my next thing for you, uh, kind of, I, I guess, have my foot in on both sides um, from hotel to vacation rentals. Um, I want to briefly touch on a short-term rental and the impact or insight you may have um, seen off of the data numbers from your AirDNA uh, data on the impact it has on the hotel world. Do you think there is any impact? Are hotels upping their game or are they falling behind? That is the question I think we see often in our industry um, just because I do think, in my opinion, for anybody who's listened to the show consecutively knows that I love hotels. I always will. But I also love vacation rentals because it's 
my business. But at the end of the day, I think hotels have always had the hardest time keeping up with today's uh, technology, today's you know traveler. Of course, you have the the big name brands like Marriott and Hilton who are um, usually backed with millions, if not billions, of dollars to advance in this area, right? With mobile keys and you know all these other you know extra features, Alexa hospitality, all these things that people are looking for. But now you come down to the mom and pop shop, who is an individual owner. The property makes four million a year, hotel base. Um, and now the vacation rental market around them is swarming. And do you think there's any impact? Without, without doubt, there's impact, right? And I think the hotels were, they knew there was impact early on, but they can't say that on their quarterly earnings calls, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but you could tell by what they're doing, how they were adapting some of the different, uh, sort of just, just different components of the, the short-term rental space. But we, from the data, what we see is that, that hotels are impacted, but we can really only prove it out in the data right now in terms of when there's like compression night events. And you're the hotel guy, so you know what that means. Yeah. Um, that's sort of what's the, what do hotels have at least 95% occupancy in the marketplace. And that used to be hotels bread and butter. And that's why everybody was hired as revenue managers to identify these compression night events and start cranking rates up by two, three times the average daily rate. What we've seen over the last three years is like actually negative ADR growth across the hotel industry, like real ADR growth. You take out like an inflation over time. Um, and so that's super interesting. And, you know, that's over the last three years. And it, it sort of goes against any sort of trend that we've seen historically in the hotel industry. And as we sort of plot the growth of short-term rentals and like, you know, look at like how the hotels don't have pricing power, I think that's a pretty easy, and I think there's some really solid conclusions that could be made there. So hotels, during big events, can't price gouge anymore, right? Yeah. And I think that's the most immediate impact of hotels. And the most immediate impact of hotel revenue managers is that you can't just think about your five competing hotels around. You gotta think about your 1,500 short-term rental properties. And if the Super Bowl's coming to town or some like Daytona 500's coming in, it's gonna be 15,000 properties that are gonna be in there competing for that same guest, right? And they sort of appear overnight and they disappear the next week. And you know, it's really hard to adjust for how to price uh, your hotels. And you don't even know what the supply is from the, the short-term rental market around you. And so, you know, we, we work with some hotels that are in markets like that, like in New Orleans or Austin or other places. So that sort of are, are really reliant on those big events to, to, to make yeah. some money. Um, you know, we, we do help them try to figure out like, what does supply look like for South by Southwest. Um, so that's on the revenue management front. I mean, so yes, we see it impacting how hotels are pricing. And then we see how it's going to impact their valuations, right? I mean, I think we did a report with CBRE recently. And it was basically like, you know, you've got to be thoughtful about, you know, short-term rental, short-term regulations, short-term rental regulations, um, because it is going to impact what your hotel values are at the end of the day. Um, and so why is that? I mean, I think it's pretty obvious, right? It's just that the more supply in the marketplace, you know, as people really do think of short-term rentals as a true alternative to hotels, not really better or worse, but just like, I'm going with my family, I'm going with five buddies, I'm going, you know, four or five days. I went to choose Airbnb, or I used to choose the hotel, right? And if I'm going for two nights, I'm going for a work thing, and I'm going by myself. 
yeah, I mean, they're going to stay in the hotels, but they're going to keep nipping away and biting away at sort of that, that travel that's longer than three days in length and has sort of more than, you know, four people coming along. And so I think that's inevitable for the long term. Um, I mean, there's a, lot of, uh, there's a lot of trends, obviously. I mean, I think the interesting thing is that, you know, the hotels really can't compete with one of the biggest reasons people pay short-term rentals, which is locations. Sorry, my phone's going crazy. That's okay. Um, and, and that is because short-term rentals have this luxury of being able to be anywhere, right? And we see that people typically choose vacation rentals because it's of the proximity to where they're going, right? Is that the conference? Is that the high school graduation? Is that the hospital, right? And there's not a hotel right across the street, right? And that's one of the benefits that hotels will never be able to catch up with is having two, two keys here, two keys there, two keys there, right? And so I think it's an interesting trend. You know, it's at like a 35% of Airbnbs, there's not a hotel a mile and a half, right? And so I think that's also just an interesting, interesting thing to watch at the time is that um, the proliferation of Airbnbs will be, you know, all around suburban and rural areas and resort towns, there's going to be like evenly distributed in places where hotels can't well service those markets. Um, I could go on and on and on, but yeah, maybe uh, direct me in other trends you think are interesting. No, I definitely, I, I don't know. I come from the side of seeing, so I started out with Marriott. So we're, you know, pretty dominant property, uh, you know, and then going to from Marriott to an individually owned operated business, where it's definitely 10% of the room, 716 rooms originally to 70 rooms. That's literally like the small, you know, version of creating that. And the, the unique, the neat, excuse me, the uniqueness from it um, was that the property that had 70 units actually was able to then list, I think maybe 10 of them on Airbnb to then increase that growth. And I think what, and it kind of goes into the statement that I've said prior is that hotels are slow to innovate into this way. Um, whether it's, you know, cause like a lot of guests when, I think when hotels, you know, you think of a hotel, you think of complimentary continental breakfast in the morning, if not complimentary $10 and it's probably, probably the same items or if not less. And then you have, you know, the basic amenities that you need clean bed with clean sheets and clean pillowcases, a clean bathroom. So that way you're not, you know, seeing remnants of anybody else prior and then peace and quiet usually or good Wi-Fi, depending if you're on a certain trip. And I think the individual operator with Airbnb, VRBO, whatever platform they're on, if not on a management company, uh, they're able to provide the same amenities at a broader scale, a little bit more personable. You're no longer looking at a Marriott key to get into your room. You're looking at somebody's um, personal branded property that they created a quick $5 logo on or whatever. And then it adds that more experience. And I think uh, from a hotel standpoint, I think we're losing the personal touch that a lot of travelers are looking for other than like for me, I'm going to London. I'm staying in a hotel because it's just me. But if it was me and my family or me and my friends, I'd probably get a bigger property, right? And so the travel trends that we just discussed like really go into, I think, a lot of different factors. But at the end of the day, it's 70 properties trying to innovate and keep up with that market versus 10 Airbnbs surrounding that property that are in a better location or 
have you know bigger space and broader amenities are going to be like you said it's gonna definitely impact and keep a keep a market that a lot of hotels won't be able to keep up with yeah totally yeah i think it's easier to get clean sheets than it is to get new locations or add a balcony and a refrigerator uh you know to, to the property right so a lot of why the big property manager companies have been growing recently is that consistency of the stay. You know, that, that they know they're going to get all of this sort of same standardization of like nice sheets, nice pillows, clean bathrooms, and they're going to be able to get in and out of the property without having to call some guy to figure out how to like, you know, get a crowbar to get inside the place. Yeah. Um, that was one of the, you know, the initial things with Airbnb was like, how am I going to get in? I, I arrive at midnight. Who's going to be there to like meet me and all that stuff? And I think that's all been solved, right? That's all pretty easy to solve with automated, you know, door codes and all that stuff. So that that's just easy to do. I mean, I'm still just not convinced that's really what people want. Like, people want unique stuff. People want like weird like pictures and posters and plants and whatever it is. Like, they want that's what they sort of pick Airbnbs for. They wanted something that was sort of stale and generic. You know, go they would go to a hotel. Like, I don't want to think about anything. And I got like a presentation the next day. I'm staying in a hotel, right? But if I want to go somewhere new, I'm going to go somewhere in Europe, or I'm going to go somewhere in like the middle of Texas I've never been to. Like I want to go see the Longhorns, right? In their in their room. I want to go get that local experience. And so and, you know, it's it's just it's it's interesting, right? Because they're all trying to meet in the middle. They're all trying to converge where the hotels are trying to bring in like authenticity of the marketplace and yeah. uh, short-term rentals. They're trying to like get to standardization of stays and. It's just, it's gonna be interesting how it all pans out as everybody sort of to meet in the middle and just really it's a place to sleep. It's not a short-term rental, it's not a hotel, it's not a park hotel or well, who knows what it is, right? It's just a place that is a good value, where you need to go, that sort of suits the needs for that trip. And so that, that's kind of where we've arrived right now. It's just like, you know, what's the trip, where am I going and what's the best option for me? Exactly. Well, I wanna ask just kind of off topic, um, from our little geek out session. I like to call this episode. I think I'm not even going to call this a podcast episode. It's just a geek out session. Um, but, uh, what's, I guess, what's your prediction? Like just from seeing the amount of data that you have, like I wouldn't call it maybe not a prediction, but what is your, where do you see the industry leading towards with anything coming in the future? Where do you think the, the today's information and the information you've had since you started AirDNA, where do you think we're going to shift? Good questions, huh? Don't prep me for these ones. Um, yeah, I mean, I think where we focus a lot right now is is really on the real estate side of things, right? Real estate is as slow to move, if not slower than anything else I've ever dealt with, right? And one of the things I'm trying to figure out is if, you know, short-term rentals are really a new asset class in real estate, what does that mean for how people buy and sell residential homes or multi-family units? And like, what does this mean? Like, how does this all make sense? It's just like better utilization of space across the U.S., right? And that's something I just like really get behind is that concept of like, why does everybody, why do people have third homes that are like never, never occupied? Nobody's complaining about, you know, the, the affordability of homes. Like, yeah, because he's, he's got 12 homes. He's never there, right? Like, why can't we rent them out and sort of, so how do we think about utilization of space and how do we think about short-term rentals in that, in that new sort of paradigm? So that's just, that's sort of like, big picture. I just do feel that like there is going to be this convergence from like how there is a short-term rentals in hotels, but how is real estate valued? That is sort of traditionally a residential property commercial, like 
uh, valued like commercial property, right? Valued off of cap rates, valued off of cash flows. Yeah. And so I think that's sort of like a big trend that we'll see is like institutional investors getting into the space. Now that short-term rentals, it has a good track record. It is sort of predictable. It does operate like a hotel. Like how do we start to think about real estate in a, in a different way? Now in the actual industry itself, I think I sort of already gave you, I, I do feel large property management companies will struggle and suffer in any sort of downturn. Like and their success. Large, what, what type of scale of large? Like thousand plus properties. Okay. Yeah. And I, and I think that because one, I think they are all, they all need growth of new properties to succeed right now. And that they're all of their success and their metrics and their revenue is based off getting new properties. And we don't see that those people are performing well in the marketplace from a review standpoint. We don't see that any of those companies are really able to re retain customers for multiple years. And so you see these homes like hopping from this platform to that platform to that platform. And so nobody's in my mind been able to prove out that they can do this at scale in 500 markets and make this a really scalable business. So I think you'll get back to more individual operators, small operators, do-it-yourself people, the people with 25 less properties will continue to dominate the space, especially if there's a downturn. Um, I feel, you know, hotels are gonna get hit hard. I mean, that, I think that's the reality of it. Um, whether it's the coronavirus or just a natural sort of, you know, a, a, a light recession, I just think that because of the value of the Airbnbs, because of the cost basis of the Airbnbs, because Airbnbs, you know, if you already paid off your house, you don't care, 99 bucks a night, go for it, right? I don't have a staff, I don't have food and beverage, I don't have daily cleaning services. And so they can reduce rates to a place that hotels can't compete. And also in a recession, people have assets that are not utilized right now. They have second homes they want to make money from. They have a, you know, ADU that they can open up or like a garage that can be converted. And so I think what you'll see is like just sort of people hungry for income will start listing more places on Airbnb. People can slash prices on their short-term rentals more than hotels can. And so I think it kind of becomes a little bit of a perfect storm for hotels. And, and I think it, they, they'll, they'll, they'll suffer more than their Airbnb in the world in the downturn. Um, so not being so doom and gloom, what's exciting about, <laughs> about the future, right? Yeah. Um, I, you know, that, that's, you know, I think it is becoming, a, I like to sort of pride ourselves in creating a pretty transparent place for in the marketplace. And I think it is just the proliferation of technology, automation, you know, data, revenue management. Short-term rentals are still in its infancy, right? In terms of their sophistication, the connectivity in the marketplace is terrible. Like, you know, how all the APIs and PMSs and stuff talk to each other yeah. is still a disaster. Um, and so I think that's where most of the improvement is, the efficiencies on the connectivity, on the pricing, on the on anything to manage your property. I think that's just where the biggest room for improvements are these days. I agree. I, I think um, it'll, it'll be interesting because I, I think it's funny that you say real estate um, as your first your first point because next episode after this is really diving into the value of a home that is just a home versus a home that becomes a short-term rental and the increase of, um, of sale and everything that we just talked about um, goes into. So I, I want to talk to you after that episode and see what, what you think. But um, big property management companies, you know, a thousand plus properties, and you see the homes bouncing back and forth to different platforms. Um, 
and the smaller operator growing with you know 25 plus properties etc are you going do you think there's going to be a shift because i want to find i've been kind of preaching this a little bit as well uh, a shift from saying my property or you know saying i have an airbnb versus i have a property that i put on airbnb but then not only just that but creating a direct booking platform like you said we we are a little slow i think you are 100 right with um i think the industry having a pms system that does integrate well with all these different channels such as verbo and and expedia and booking and airbnb do you do you see with the data that you guys are finding with AirDNA, uh, is there going to be a shift for people going that route of creating a more direct way of increasing their revenue instead of having all these fees and everything go that way? I don't have a popular opinion on it, to be honest with you. Uh, I have, I have, I don't, I don't see that happening, right? You know, the hotels have been trying to go to direct bookings forever since the OTAs came around. Yeah, and they've been trying to figure out all of their loyalty programs and discounts they can try to get direct bookings. Now, while they've had some success over the last couple of years, you know, they also have brands, big brands that are in every single location. And so, yeah, and they have loyalty programs that, that work and are successful. I just don't think you can point to a vacation rental management company that has a decent loyalty program, has enough assets and enough locations that it makes sense to sort of think like, oh, I'm going to go to Florida. Let's go to Vacasa. And they'll look at her probably like, why would I go to Vacasa? You know, they've got... 100 or 200 or 300 properties when there's, you know, uh, a million properties in Florida. Why would I want to limit that options to the Vacasa properties, right? Yeah. So I just don't think people get enough scale uh, to get there. I don't think people are that concerned about consistency for them to be getting direct bookings. Now, if you're going to go to the same place over and over and over again, like, that's cool. You're going to get those direct bookings. If you want to offer significant 20% off discounts, cool, you're going to get direct bookings, right? But, like, at, at what cost? You know, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I just, I find it really hard. Everybody's trying to say they're going to create the brand. They're going to create the brand for this, the brand, brand for that, right? The brand for group travel, the, the brand for, you know, oh yeah, it's like, I just, I don't see it, right? Airbnb is the brand. Airbnb is, you know, proven to have a very successful brand uh, that's pretty much beaten up on anybody else that tries to get into the space. Um, and so I, I don't know why, as a consumer, I would go to another site rather than Airbnb at this point in time. So I, I, I'm sorry to tell you, I think you're relying on Airbnb for the foreseeable future. Hey, that's okay. I think I think it's cool to have the diversity of, of because a lot of individual hosts are going that, I, and from our area, you know, they have one or two properties, right? And they're like, yeah, we want to get direct bookings. Why would we give Airbnb or Verbo 13, 17, 18% when we can collect that direct? And it's hard because they, as a host or a manager or owner, you don't have five million dollars to pour into this certain demographic on booking.com that already has one of the biggest traveling platforms there is so at the end of the day you're battling funding and audience yeah and just like marketing i used to market my place airbnb santa monica i would pay you know whatever it was a dollar click back in the day and i'd get bookings that way right but it was super early so if you have a good super random little town that like there are no hotels in right you might be able to get some bookings that way but it is the exception to the rule to be able to like really go through some like ppc you know model and try to really get bookings cost effectively i, I think i think 
I mean, everybody's now bidding on these keywords. I'm in every single city, you put in Airbnb, any city, you know, I would be on the first page. So we're all competing for those keywords. Yeah. It's just hard to stand out at a, at a, at a, at a cost effective way. I agree. I totally agree. Well, I want to wrap this up. If uh, you have any, uh, you know, shameless shout outs, if you want to, you know, say one last final word before we end the episode, um, I think this is your time to shine. And then uh, we'll, uh, I just also want to say for anybody that is listening, um, I'm shifting to a slick talker community. So if you do listen and you want to find out a little bit more after this episode, join the community on the Facebook page and the website, and we're going to have an exclusive members uh, demo and kind of a little uh, explanation of the exclusives of AirDNA and MarketMinder and all the cool tools. So, um, but yeah, I'll let you kind of end the uh, episode with a little shout out if you need. Yeah, I mean, sure. I mean, just the basics really like, you know, websites, airdna.co.co. Go look up any single one of hundred thousand markets for free. Get some basic data on the marketplace average 50 bucks a month to kind of really dig deep into some actual insights in the market, how to price your properties, uh, how to analyze new properties on what their expected uh, revenues would be. Uh, check out our blog. We're always putting out great content. We're working really hard on the best places to invest piece right now, which dives deep into how to think about regulations, how to think about property management, how to think about where properties are undervalued as short-term rentals versus you know, long-term rentals or primary residences. So yeah, we always check out our blog and we really try to do a good job of getting a bunch of great insights and data there. But yeah, come check us out. Thank you so much for listening. We love your support and want to provide the best we can to all our listeners. So please find us online, social media, and on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Google Podcast. Hey everybody, if you're enjoying the podcast, I've created a Slick Talkers community group where anybody and everybody in hospitality can join on Facebook and also soon to be on the website. And where this is where I'm going to create exclusive content for anybody, like I said, in the industry that follows the show, that follows along with what I'm putting out. And of course, with the whole coronavirus and quarantine and lockdowns going on in the world, um, what better time to, to do so than, you know, than now. So go ahead and check out the link in this episode where I'll have the slick talkers community link and you can join and we can, you know, see some exclusive content. And like I kind of mentioned in this episode, um, the walkthrough with Scott, who you just heard, um, with, you know, the market minder tool. So if you want to see how to use that properly and efficiently, then, Come check us out on the Slick Talkers community page. What's up, everybody? If you've gotten this far into the episode of Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast, then you are amazing. And thank you so much for tuning in. We want to send you two places really quickly. If you can, check out the show notes and click the hospitality.fm link. Check out all of our other shows on the podcast network. And don't forget, if you have someone that you want to hear on the podcast, then fill out the guest fill out form so that way we can get them on the show. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy another episode of Slick Talk, the Hospitality Podcast.